I feel strongly this morning that I'm supposed to preach. And the reason is, is because if you, you know, were paying attention to what was happening in the service, this, there's, there were threads of fear. There were threads of faith. That was very obvious, right? And the title of my message this morning, which I don't think anybody knew about, is From Fear to Faith. Specifically, From Fear to Faith, Exposing Fear. So I've been wrestling all week because I'm like, Lord, like, from fear to faith, how do I preach a message that really is uh, three parts? Because if we're dealing with our fear, we have, to, we have to expose our fear. But to get healed from our fear is not by faith. It's by the love of God. The pathway from fear to faith is the love of God because we know from the word, perfect love casts out fear. But the love of God builds our faith because the Father is an initiator. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that so whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. And so before we can get to faith, we have to expose fear. We have to receive the love of God that we can be a people of faith, a people who believe. Amen? Like, but why, why does it even matter? Like, why do we need, I, I know it's kind of a silly question, right? Because most of us in this room are saved, but it's like, why, why does it matter that we need to be a people of faith? Well, it matters because the, the Bible says that the righteous, that we live by faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul writes and he says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. Romans 14 says that whatever is not from faith is, someone say it, sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. That convicts me. Because when I really examine my life, is how much of it is really from faith. And I believe one of the greatest enemies to faith is fear. As long as we are living in fear and living afraid, we will not be a people of bold confidence. We will not be a people who are believing for the dead to be raised, who are believing for limbs to be extended, who are believing for souls to be saved, which in my opinion is a greater miracle than a physical one. Because I know who I was before God. And I was a wreck. The power of God to change the human heart, the faith that it takes to believe that God can actually take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. But if I'm being honest, my life, and not just my life, but the majority of my Christian walk has been one that has been trampled by fear. I have lived much of my Christian life living and being overcome by fear rather than being Bold in faith. This is the story of my life from fear to faith. This is a, a message that was birthed from a wilderness season. We were talking about wilderness earlier. This is a message that was birthed from a wilderness season of the Father addressing me in my fears. 
And for me, I, I did know better. Some, some of us don't know better. We're, we're learning to walk with the Lord. We're learning to, to be free from our fear. We're learning to receive the love of God. But I knew better. And when we know better and we still give in to things, there, it's a dangerous place to be. So we're called to live by faith and not by fear, but I'm afraid that we live more by fear than we do live by faith. Father, would you help me? God, would you help me? So to expose fear, I believe it takes humility. Because we like to, and what I've seen in my own life, I've lived in denial. I've lived in spiritualization. I've lived in rationalization. And it's like, no, I'm not really afraid. Like, I'm just going to keep going. But that's just performance, right? Fear is a major driver of performance. Fear will either motivate us or paralyze us. And so I would just be like, no, I'm not afraid. Like, it's all good. Like, I'll just, you know, bootstrap it up. And, you know, but we, we live from, if we don't deal with and become humble before the Lord to actually allow his love to come and heal us, we will never truly be set free from our fears. And I don't mean to say that, that we, like, deal with fear one time and then it's like, oh, I'm never afraid again. Like, new tears, new fears right? Like we hear the saying like next level, new devils, like new tears in our life, new levels of maturity. I believe that we wrestle greater fears. And I believe that there are five major fears that the Lord has highlighted to me to share this morning. The first four of which are not healthy fears. Let me turn my clicker on. Are not healthy fears. And then the last one is the fear of the Lord. But the first one is the fear of man. I believe that the fear of man reveals that we value the opinions of man more than we value the opinions of God. We actually care more about what people think than what God thinks. So I want to look at... Um, I'm doing this out of order. I'm allowing the Lord, because this is completely not what I had. So I'm just going to go with, uh, we're going to go to John 12. Fear of man, it reveals that we value the opinions of man more than the truth of God. We care more about what people think than what God thinks. Which is treachery, right? Because God, what God says is true. What man says is just conjecture. And a lot of times what I've found in my own life is that the fear of man that I had were just projections and speculations and conspiracies that I really made up in my own mind because of my own insecurity because of the lack of the love of God and identity that I had in my heart. When we don't know whose we are, we don't know who we are. We've said it a thousand times. And when we don't know whose we are and who we are, we are so insecure that we, instead of feasting on God's words, we feast on man's words. 
So let's read here in John chapter 12. We're in verse 36. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes, and he hardened their hearts, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. You see the heart of God and his desire to what he wants to do? Verse 41, these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. This is, the, this is the main portion I want us to focus on, verse 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but, anytime you see the word but in the Bible, pay attention, because this is a side note. Hopefully this will help somebody in their Bible study. But there are certain words that are called logical connectives. I can't help myself because I, I love to teach. But certain words that are logical connectives, but is a logical connective indicating contrast. For or because is a logical connective that indicates reason. So pay attention to the word but. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved the approval or the praises of men rather than the approval of God. Romans 10 says that it is in our heart that we believe and it is with our mouth that we confess and are saved. These people believed, but they did not confess because of their fear of man, because of their fear of their loss of position, their loss of title, their loss of entitlement, their loss of uh, what they're uh, uh, privy to and what their benefits are by being in with the Pharisees. They were afraid of man, and they believed this is insane. They believed, but they would not confess. For they loved the approval of man rather than the approval of God. The fear of man has the power to cause us to deny Christ. It has the power to believe in him, but to not confess him. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Listen, I, I am not trying to like cause, uh, like expose fear and cause us to be like afraid of fear. And that was one of my wrestles in preparing this message is like, no, but like we need a sobriety that if what we do not deal with comes to fruition where it leads us to. Right? Turn with me to uh, Proverbs 29, 25, please. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man. 
29:25 The fear of man brings a snare but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted Fear yields something That's what the word brings means in Hebrew it lays it yields something fear yields snares another word in the Hebrew for snare is trap or bait a, a noose around the neck or a ring in the nose. That is what the fruit of our fear brings. It sets a trap for ourselves that allows us to be suffocated, which is what a noose does, that lays bait in a fowler's net, which I believe is the net of the enemy, that we would bite on it and be ensnared and entrapped. The snare is a ring in the nose, which is indicative of like uh, pigs, right? And the, the reason for the ring in the nose, you guys have heard me share this before, but the reason for the ring in the nose is that it allows those who are leading the pigs to the slaughter to control it. Because if the ring is in the nose, the pig has to go wherever it's being led by its master. Fear brings death. Fear brings death. So fear of man. Oh, I need to back up here. Like I said, it's all out of air. Or, fear of man. It reveals that we value the opinions of God over the opinions or the, the truth of our father. Sorry, the opinions of man over the truth of our father. The next major one that I feel like the Lord wanted me to highlight is fear of failure. And I believe that fear of failure reveals that we are trusting more in our own fleshly strength than in the grace of God, than in the power of God. Because fear of failure says it's all up to me to make it happen. Whereas faith says, God said it, I'll believe it, I'll receive his love, I'll receive his grace, I'll receive his spirit to allow him to bring the outcomes that he said he would do in the first place. See, Jesus says something to us, and then it's like, we got to do it all in our flesh. Paul rebukes the Galatians for this. He says, why would you start in the spirit and finish in the flesh? I preached a message recently on the Davidic heart, and I believe Saul is a picture of starting in the spirit and finishing in the flesh. He had a powerful encounter among the prophets. He began to prophesy. It said that God changed his heart, and the spirit came on him mightily. But Saul didn't finish well. Fear of failure. It's mighty. I'm telling you, these things have tracked me down in my life. I was in full-time ministry before I was doing what I'm doing now. And I'm telling you that like the, the top four of these drove me out of being in full-time ministry. I was so captivated and captured by fear that I could not walk in faith, and it revealed a deficit of love in my life. It revealed that I was having an identity crisis, that I didn't realize that I was a beloved son with whom my father was well-pleased. Fear of failure will cause us to not walk in faith because you spell faith. I believe um, our, one of our brothers says it here that you spell faith, R-I-S-K, risk. Do you think it was risky for Abraham to leave his family? Do you think it was risky for Noah to bet really all of his life? I mean, how long did it take him to actually build a boat that big? 
for, for preparation for something that had actually never even happened in the history of mankind. It had never rained in the earth. Do you think that uh, Noah had to brave the fear and the opinions of man? And what happens if God doesn't send the rain? This is just conjecture, but I, in my own heart, I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know if I would have folded. I mean, it's easy for us to read these stories because we know the endings of them. We know the outcomes. But can you imagine being Abraham and Sarah, being husband and wife, having no children, zero, none. And God's saying, look up to the sky. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. That takes faith. But fear of failure, it, it suffocates faith. Fear of failure. We will not walk in faith as long as we are afraid of not seeing through what God said he would do in the first place. It reveals that we're trusting more in our flesh and our own strength than in the strength of God. Jesus. Number three, the fear of the unknown. This is a big one. Listen. I believe for every single longing of our hearts, there's a commensurate fear that we have. We long to be accepted, so we're afraid of rejection, right? That's why we isolate. That's why we hide. Also because of shame. We're afraid of being, we long to be known for who we truly are, and yet we're deeply afraid of being known because what might someone think of us if they really know all of my baggage and all of my past and all of my fears and all of the, the stuff that bothers us, right? We, have, we, we long for provision. We long to have what we need, to have enough. And we know that God is a God of provision, so we're afraid because we long for provision. We are afraid of when's the next paycheck coming in i'm telling you finances i'm just being vulnerable with you guys finances has been one of the greatest crucibles of my entire life i've worked in 100 percent commission almost the entirety of my professional career since i graduated 100 percent commission i was interviewing and they said hey are you prepared to go 12 months with no income and i thought i was <laughs> I thought I was prepared to go without 12 months, but it's like the difference of somebody telling you, hey, I'm going to punch you in the face and it's really going to hurt. And you're like, you think you're prepared for it? And then it actually happens and you're just like on the floor in pain. Like that's what it was like. I don't know how to ex explain it to people other than that. But no, but the fear of having enough, of having what we need, this is all speaks to the unknown. Where is the next paycheck going to come? What about the fear? What about our futures? We all long for a destiny. We all long for a purpose to do and accomplish the will of God. And sometimes we don't always know the avenue by which that happens. We don't always know the avenue by which it's going to all come to fruition. But that's why we trust the Lord that he orders our steps. That he has a plan for our lives. That before, that even before there was one breath in our lungs, before we were even conceived in our mother's womb, Psalm 139, that he had all the days of our life planned for us. See, the fear of the unknown reveals that we trust more in what we know than what God knows. What does God know? God knows everything. God is omniscient. 
I be, there are three parts, I believe, to God's omniscience. This is not in my notes, but I just want to give this to you because that's wrecked my life. Three parts of God's omniscience. It's his knowing, it's his understanding, and it's his wisdom. What's the difference? God knows everything. He has all of the information. He has all of the facts, all the correct values for everything. But he doesn't just have all the information and the facts. He has perfect and all understanding. In other words, he correctly interprets and perceives everything he knows. He knows it all, but he understands it all. Scientists still can't figure out, like, the ocean. They still can't figure out, like, the solar system. They still can't figure out, like, human cells. God not only knows all of how everything works, but he correctly perceives and understands how it works. And then the third part of his omniscience is his wisdom. God acts perfectly in light of all that which he knows and all that which he understands. He acts perfectly. His wisdom, his practical application for what he knows and what he understands. And why does this matter? Because when we apply this to my own life of, God, where am I going? Where are you taking me? Where is it coming from? How is it going to happen? What's this going to lead to? It's like, God, you, Father, you know. You know. And not only do you know, you understand, and you have a perfect plan and perfect people and perfect timing and perfect tools to see it through in my life. And then you mix the all-knowing omniscience of God that he's all-powerful. So you mix that he knows it all, but that he can make it happen. Who knows that we can't make anything happen? He spoke it all into existence. So in our lives, when we're facing the unknown, we can know that God knows. See, when, when we're wrestling with the unknown, we always exalt our knowledge above God's. But his, his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And he knows it all. And so what I have taken heart and taken courage in, in the unknown, I just started a business this year. Raise your hand if you started a business before. Is it hard? Speak up. Come on. Let's be interactive. Have fun. Is it hard? Is it scary? Is it terrifying? Do you question, was I supposed to do this? Like, everybody's laughing because they know it's true. But like, I'm just being honest. But it's like my heart has been anchored that even when I don't know, number one, God knows. And he has a plan. And number two, that I have to take heart that he knows me. That not only does he know the plan, but that he sees me and he sees my situation. He understands the outcome and how it's going to happen. And then you, you take the omniscience of God that he knows it all. Mixed with the omnipotence of God, that he's all-powerful and he can make anything happen. And then you mix it with the omnipresence of God. That he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he is always with me. And in fact, he's with me so much that he sent his son to die for me. That he might live and abide and call my heart his home. That he would call me a temple. My God. Is this good news or what? My heart is anchored in this stuff. 
My heart, because I have wavered and I've, fa- listen, if there is an example of like people learning how to do things right the first time, I'm just telling you, that is not me. That is not me. Like if you want someone who's like an example of people who have le- had to learn through failure in the hard way, I'm your guy. Because we all know that some of us that have a little bit um, uh, more intense temperaments, a little bit more intense uh, and strength of our own self-will, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Guys, I'm telling you, I have learned the hard way in this stuff. But God has been merciful. God has been kind. God has been gracious to me. And so even when I entered my wilderness season and I was in so much pain and I thought God had left me, I thought God had forgotten about me, I thought God had overlooked me, I thought I had forfeited the call of God on my life, I thought I had forfeited the plans of God on my life, that the grace has gone and he's going to find somebody else to do it, that in that season of refining and pruning, that he excavated the fear from my life. And so that when he took me into the wilderness, he was speaking to me. And it was painful. I had to deal with my pride like none other, that I am an arrogant airhead. And we all said amen, because it's the human dilemma. So the fear of the unknown, it reveals that we rest and trust more in what we know than what God knows. Philippians 4, 17, what does it say? Do not be anxious about anything or for anything. Why? Do not be anxious for in everything, but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. So in the fear of the unknown, his peace transcends all understanding. Peace is possible when nothing makes sense. Peace is possible when we don't know the way out. Peace is possible in the unknown because his peace transcends what we know. Amen? And the last one, number four, fear, the second to last, fear of death. I'm not really going to speak to the fear of physical death, Um, although I can say that, you know, in my life, I've wrestled more with that over, like, my family, my kids, and my wife than I have personally in my own life, but actually what I want to talk about regarding the fear of death um, is not even physical, physical death, but something that I've wrestled with in my own life, the fear of spiritual death. In other words, what is following the Lord gonna cost me? What am I going to have to leave behind? What am I going to have to give up? What suffering am I going to have to endure? Because Jesus said, you will have trials and tribulations, right? And I believe in my own life, the Lord has just convicted me that when I am afraid of dying to myself, it reveals that I don't think that he's worthy, that I don't think that he's worth my suffering, that actually his suffering on the cross wasn't good enough for me. Guys, I know that this is, like, this is like heavy stuff, but this is stuff that is real, that I believe that if we will allow God to heal and to cast out with his perfect love, that we will be unstoppable according to his will. We're not going to just have some faith superpower that you know, does whatever we want. No, it's all in the context of God's plan, God's purpose, and God's will. Amen? 
So fear of, phys- or fear of spiritual death, what is it going to cost? Well, Jesus said that he who loves his life will lose it. And he who loses his life in this one will gain one in the next. The fear of death, and specifically spiritual death, lacks a view to eternity. It lacks a view to what we're sowing our lives into. Guys, this life is but a vapor. I, I can't tell you every year that goes by, I'm amazed at how it seems like it went by infinitely faster than the last one. I'm 30 now, and I'm like, I feel like I was just 20 yesterday. And it's insane to me, but our life is but a vapor. When we're, af- when we're afraid to die to ourselves and to leave something uh, at the feet of the cross that we know we can't take with us, it reveals that we're not truly in that moment living for eternity, that we don't have e- like eternity in view. And then lastly, uh, number five is the fear of the Lord. And this is obviously a good fear. We're called to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. But I believe, I, I, want the, I believe that the Lord wants me to highlight and differentiate between a healthy fear of the Lord versus an unhealthy fear of the Lord. Because we know we see the Israelites at the foot of the mountain and there's rumblings and there's lightnings and there's earthquakes and there's winds and they're like, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm good. In their own human fear, it actually keeps them from the fear of the Lord. Because Moses rebukes them and says, don't be afraid, draw near that you'll fear the Lord and not sin. I love passages like that that put me in a tension and a wrestle because it's like, wait, what, Moses? You said, don't be afraid, but be afraid. It's like, what are you talking about? And so I believe the lesson in that passage is that our own human fear will keep us from the fear of the Lord. And our own human fear will keep us from the fear of the Lord, but the fear of the Lord will deliver us from all of the other fears. And I believe that you can differentiate if you're struggling, like, how do I tell if I'm walking in a healthy fear of the Lord or if, like, it's not healthy? And I believe the key differentiator between a healthy and unhealthy fear of the Lord is that do we, does it cause us to draw near to him or does it not? I believe any unhealthy fear in our lives that we have of God will, will cause us to run the other way. It's like he's angry, he's mad. That's unhealthy fear of God. But, but I believe the true fear of God actually brings us more into the love of God. Amen? So we talked about Proverbs 29, uh, 29, 25, that fear brings a snare, that fear suffocates faith. That fear leads to control and ultimately leads to death. Let's go to Romans 8. Thank you, Father. This stuff has changed my life. Romans 8, 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15, pay attention. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. 
But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Fear is of the flesh, and fear is indicative of that we're operating under a spirit of slavery rather than a spirit of adoption. But praise the Lord that we, are, we have been given a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, a spirit that is full of intimacy. There's no place and no fear in the face of God. I believe part of the reason, you know, just talking about the flesh, I believe part of the reason a lot of Christians are so miserable, and this has been a lot of my life, a lot of reasons Christians are so miserable is because we're created to be living in the spirit as new creation, but we're still trying to live in the flesh. And we, it's like it's trying to put like a, 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 a new operating system in an old computer. It doesn't work. It fails every single time. We talked about John 12. Like I said, this is all out of order from what I originally planned. It has the power to cause us to deny Christ. We read John 12, 43. Fear. I believe this is huge, guys. Fear is an open door for the demonic. Listen, I am not saying that I believe fear is always demonic. Fear is a result of the fall of mankind. It is a part of our fallen nature. But left uncrucified and left undealt with, it is an open door for the demonic to wreak havoc on our lives. We see this in the life of Saul, and I preached this a while back, but we saw in the progression of Saul that his underlying insecurity, shame, and fear about who he was ultimately led to all these bad outcomes, and one of those was an evil spirit. He starts, he starts uh, 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 consulting with spirit mediums and talking to dead people. I'm not saying that we're all going to do that, but I'm saying that, you know, fear left uncrucified is an open do door for the demonic. And I believe it will turn us on each other. It creates conspiracies in our minds about what this person truly thinks about me and what they might think or say without ever talking to them it turns uh, it will turn us against each other i am serious and i can say that because I, I, it was in my head i was tempted with it it was like this person doesn't like you this person is manipulative this person is accusing you this person is setting you up for failure this person is yada 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 the conspiracies of man and the demonic swirl in our mind goes on this is real this is absolutely real I've lived it. And number seven. This is huge, guys. Fear in our lives reveals that we have a deficit of love, a major deficit of love. It reveals that we are not abiding in the love of Christ. Why? Because we know that there is no fear in love from 1 John 4. We know that perfect love casts out fear, that Jesus Christ himself said and gave as a command to his disciples to abide in my love. So why is it a big deal? Like, what's the big deal? Well, our greatest goal and prize as Christians is love. It's the great commandment. Jesus Christ summed up all the law and the prophets that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. 
that you would love him and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. It's the love is the fulfillment of the entirety of the law. Love is a fruit of the spirit. When we're operating in fear, it reveals that we're not abiding in the spirit and we're ultimately sowing to the flesh, which reaps corruption and death. So how do we face our fears? You guys have, you guys have heard, heard me weave it in throughout this whole thing. But we face our fears by facing the Father. Because in the face of love himself, fear can't stand. Fear cannot operate. My fear of, of, of uh, man, my fear of performance, my fear of failure, my fear of the unknown, my fear of death, all of it cannot stand. It cannot stand in the loving arms of our Father. The Bible says that we're to be rooted and grounded in love. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That while we were still yet sinners, he died for us. And so we deal with our, our fear by facing the Father. I want to go to Isaiah 41.10 real quick. So we face our fear by facing the Father. Because in the face of love, our fear is cast out. Isaiah 41, we're going to start in verse 9. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, for I am with you. We, in the face of God, in the presence of God, that word for there is another logical, logical uh, uh, connective. I don't have to be afraid when I'm in the presence of God. He is with me. All the things I've already said, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence is with me. I don't have to fear. It's actually a command here. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. See, fear and anxiety, from this verse, we learn that anxiously looking about us, that fear is always focused on the wrong thing. Fear always fails to exalt Jesus Christ. And when we exalt him, there is no room for it. It goes. It dissipates. It cannot stay. It cannot stand in the name of Jesus. So fear is not our portion. We read from Romans 8 that we've been given a spirit of adoption. We know from uh, 2 Timothy, I believe it's 1-7, that we have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity or cowardice, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I feel, I feel a weightiness on this because when I read my Bible, I see what fear costs people. I see what fear leads to. One story specifically is the story of the 12 spies. 
10 of them, they come back and they say the land is great, but the people are too big. They're too strong. They're too many. We can't do it. We're small. But that's not what God said. God gave them a promise to inherit the land. They exalted fear of man, fear of failure over the promises and the word of and the plan of God for their lives, and it caused them to forfeit it. We read in Hebrews 3 that they did not enter the land because of their unbelief. I believe fear is a major source of unbelief in our lives and that it will keep us from walking in all that God has for us. But how do Caleb and Joshua respond? They said, let's go. They said, let's do it. For God will give us this land. He said, if he's pleased with us, if he's with us, then we'll do it. He has already promised it. We have to deal with our fear in the face of the Father if we want to walk and be all God has called us to be. He has called us to be a people of faith. He has called us to live by faith and to walk by faith and not by sight. And until we deal a death blow and we, we receive the love of God. I know I'm repeating myself so much, but I, it's like the love of God. I believe that we actually, as orphans, we actually have an issue with the love of God. I believe the orphan heart actually has an issue with the love of God because we perverted love into enablement rather than to correction and discipline. Do you know that God has disciplined me in the topic of his love? It's like we know that he disciplines us because he loves us and accepts us, but he's actually disciplined me because he's like, son, you don't actually believe that I love you. You don't actually believe that I'm for you and not against you. So as orphans, we're actually more addicted to our dysfunction and our fear and our anxiety. It's actually become comfortable to us. And so the love of God that wants to come and vacate it is actually scary to us and we don't actually want it because we're more comfortable with where we are and where we've been than where we want to go. Hello, fear of the unknown. But God holds our future. And so would you guys stand with me? I believe that the Lord wants to minister to some people this morning. So we're going we're gonna to have an altar call. I believe there are people here that have, have been tormented by fear. That it is incessant. It is unceasing. It's like no matter what you do or where you go, it's tracking you down. It's like a shadow. It's like you try to run and it just you keep turning around and you can't see it. And, you, and all of a sudden it's always there. I believe that the Father wants to heal us this morning. That He wants to speak His tender love and kindness to us. That we would deal with this. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. 
And what does it say? And he delivered me from all of my fears. Saints, if we will be faithful to seek the Lord, if we will be faithful to come to him with our fears and just say, God, I need you. He will be faithful to deliver us. So I want to invite you this morning. If you feel like fear has tracked you down, if you feel like it's been an issue in your life, I want to invite you forward to just be ministered to by the Lord and to receive prayer. And I'm going to be one of us down here because there's always new levels. There's always next steps. There's always more for us in the kingdom of God. So I want to invite you to come and to receive the love of God that His perfect love would cast out fear this morning. In Jesus' name, if you have to go, please feel released. But we want to keep this place uh, 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 an atmosphere of ministry and healing. Thank you. Casting out fear, let it go. 